From creation to the flood to the patriarchs to Egypt, join me, Pastor Hook, as we go through Genesis, the backstory to the beginning. Now, my, my goal as a pastor, uh, my goal as someone in the kingdom, is to try to convince you, um, to try to convince all of us, try to convince myself, to put my trust first and foremost in God uh, and in his words and the things that he says because uh, I have learned in my short years on this earth that when I've put my trust first and foremost in God, it usually, it, it, it works out much, much better. And so that's, that is a basic overall arching kind of theme for Abraham. Because Abraham does put his trust in God. Um, we, are, we are still in our, our study on Abraham. And uh, we started into this in Abraham uh, 12 yesterday. And we looked at the call of Abraham. And I just want to go back and kind of look at this one more time because it's so fascinating. But it was basically this. The Lord said to Abraham. And Abraham, uh, Abraham was this, this guy. He was living in Ur. And God came to him. We're not sure how God came to him. You know, it wasn't a burning bush like Moses. It doesn't appear to be that. But somehow God came to Abram. And he said, listen, Abram, I need you to trust me. I need you to follow me and do what I tell you. And Abram, for whatever reason, uh, then did what God told him. Now, we're going to spend a little bit of time in that today because that is the crux of the whole matter. <laughs> How did Abram get such faith? Did it grow over time? Was it always something inside of him? Did God create Abram to have such great faith? And he was just naturally reacting to the faith that God gave him? These are very, very difficult questions because we all want a faith like Abram's. And we all want strong faith. But is this something um, that God just gives some people and not others? Or is it something to be grown over time? Uh, do we all have a little bit of faith, and then our job uh, as we grow is to increase that faith? Um, where do we put our faith and all those sort of questions? That is, that is the point of this whole entire narrative of Abram. So the Lord comes to Abram. He goes, go from your country, your people, your father's household to the land I will show you. And we find out that Abram does indeed go. He picks up uh, his his children, his wife, his servants, his property and everything, and he puts it in a wagon and he goes. Uh, so Abram does follow this call of God. Now, what does God say that he is going to do? God says in verse 2, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and I will, whoever curses you, I will curse and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So um, there's a bunch of promises here by God. And I just want to, let, let's take a look at those promises and see have they turned out. So uh, verse 2, I will make you into a great nation. Well, did Israel, did Abraham come become a great nation? And I would have to say, yes, they did. So God definitely fulfilled that promise. He said, I will bless you. Did God bless Abram? Absolutely, he did. I will make your name great. And you will be a blessing. Did God make Abraham's name great? Well, I think so. Uh, first of all, we have from Scripture, Abraham is a great guy from Scripture, right? So that in that way, name his name is great. 
We have people even today that name their children Abraham. One of the presidents of the United States was Abraham Lincoln. Abraham is uh, a great name. So yes, God did make his name great. And you will be a blessing. Has the nation that Abraham uh, founded, has that been, uh, will they be, have they been a blessing? And I would have to say, yes, they have been. And has God blessed those who bless them and cursed those who curse them? Yes. And all the people will be blessed through you? Yes. So as near as I can tell when I read this, yes, indeed, God fulfilled the promises of the call to Abraham. Now, uh, just looking at this, the question you have to ask yourself is, did God put any conditions on this? Is this an unconditional thing? Did, Lord, did God say to Abram, go, uh, and because Abraham went, he made his name great? Or was Abram going to go anyway? Or was God going to make these promises come true to Abram even if he didn't go? Well, if Abram didn't go, it would have been hard for him for God, it would have been very difficult for God to, um, to, to fulfill this promise. If God, if Abram had stayed in Ur and not gone, uh, then, then it would have been very difficult. Maybe God would have found a different way to do it. But, but part of this you can see is that, uh, that Abram follows the call of God. The path is that Abram followed the call of God and then God did all these things to Abram. So it's a symbiotic relationship that happens. Now, in Christianity, and particularly the Lutheran form of Christianity, uh, you can probably break this down into two areas, uh, and these are fundamental areas. Uh, and the fundamental areas are uh, two words, faith and works. Faith is what, uh, what you believe and how you live your life, or, you know, the foundation, what you believe, the works is what you actually do, and they're intertwined. Uh, faith and works, as we find out in Scripture, are very, very much intertwined. If you have great faith, you will do works. Uh, if you are doing works, it's likely that you have great faith. The two go hand in hand, and uh, if you're going to do something for God, it typically does take great faith. So if God is calling you to do something, uh, then if you read in Scripture and feel compelled by God that he's calling you to do something or to live a certain way, in some respects that takes faith because you're going to follow what God has told you in Scripture. So you have faith in Scripture, you have faith in God, uh, you have faith that all that comes together in your life. Um, if, you, if you don't follow it, then is that because you lack faith? Uh, these, these are the big questions of Abram because the two go hand in hand. Faith and works go together. Now, in our particular congregation, we have a chart for this or a graphic for this. Let's see if I can find it here. Well, uh, yeah. So we have this image of a tree. And uh, the tree, for me, represents each human on this earth. And the way I look at this tree is that the stuff that's up above the ground is what you see, and the stuff below the ground is what you don't see. And so in my lexicon, the way I look at the world, the faith is like the root system of the tree. 
You don't see it necessarily, but you, it has to be there because there's no way to sustain a tree, uh, sustain a tree without faith, uh, without the root system. And so if you see a large oak tree, if you see a large oak tree, like we're, I, I saw this uh, ash tree. It was huge. It must have been six feet in diameter. I was out on a walk, and just and Jennifer and I were looking at this tree like, my goodness, that's a huge tree. Well, you know that if it's a tree that's that big, it has to have a root system. They say that the root system of the tree is as mu- that the tree as much of it's in the ground as is out of the ground. So you don't necessarily you can't necessarily see the root system, but you know it has to be there because there's no way that you could see such a large tree without such a large root system. And the same thing is true if you see somebody that's living their life uh, in a solid way, that um, they, uh, they exhibit strong faith, then you know that there must be a deep faith system in that person. In the same way, so let's look at the other one, is works. What you're going to do, how you're going to live your life, um, the decisions that you make, uh, where you bear fruit, the little tiny red things on this thing are the fruit. Um, that is the, is the how you live your life portion of it. So basically the two work hand in hand, faith and works. If you have strong faith, then you'll have works. If you have works, then it's probably because you have strong faith. Those things go hand in hand. Um, So my goal or my job or my mission as a pastor is to help you to grow your faith so that your tree, that your life can be a strong, healthy life that bears fruit. Uh, and the and the more I can nourish and build your faith, then the more I am nourishing and building the whole entire system, the tree and the faith. Uh, and it's not just me. I mean, it, it's uh, it's anytime you do things, step out in faith to grow your faith, that the faith in, continues to grow. Um, so that's that's basically uh, that's basically the job of of well when, once you reach maturity that this is basically on you to to continue to grow your faith and how do you grow your faith uh, well the way I believe you grow your faith is by stepping out in faith you read God's word uh, God compels you through his word to act in a certain way uh, that takes faith and so you take a step out in faith and as you do your root system gets stronger because you realize that God's promises by doing that come true. And then when you step out in faith, then uh, you grow bigger and stronger and you keep doing that and you grow bigger and stronger. And pretty soon you are a tree that's planted by the living water, uh, bearing fruit, um, that that you are not moved, that you have a a quenchable, strong faith because you've lived your life uh, in God. And... uh, so I want to I want to look at that one more time uh, because uh, this is what Jesus says in Matthew. He says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Um, and the way I read this is that the number one place to put your faith is in God and his kingdom and his righteousness. Seek first his kingdom. So if we put our faith first and foremost in the kingdom of God, 
then all the other things in our life will come together if we put our faith first in the kingdom. Uh, and that's, that is what my goal is. And that's actually, if you look at what Jesus said in the Great Commission, right? Uh, he said, go therefore and make disciples. And a disciple, in my opinion, is a strong, healthy tree of all nations. How do you do that? First, by baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So uh, we go uh, as a church and we find people and we baptize them. We bring them into the kingdom. Uh, we, we tell them where the faith starts or where, where faith, the source of faith is. Uh, and then the second part of that, Jesus says, and then teaching them to observe or obey everything that I've commanded you. So the second part of the Great Commission is to grow people's faith, right? It's to teach them, to observe, um, to have them step out in faith so that they grow. And then, um, then their tree grows and they get bigger and they get stronger and they become a tree planted by the source of living water that cannot be moved. That's Psalm 1. So um, that is an overview of what God's going to do to Abram. Because God, uh, if we go back to our story, God says, go from your country, your people and your father's household and your land. So leave everything that you feel comfortable with and I want you to step out in faith to the land that I'm going to show you. And when you do that, I will make you a great nation. Uh, I will bless you. I will make your name great. You will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I'll curse those who curse you. And everybody on earth, every family on earth, will be blessed through you. Uh, so Abram has this symbiotic relationship with God where he's going to go and do what God calls him to do. And then God's going to do all these things to Abram. Now, the problems that Abram f runs into are when he just doesn't believe that God's going to come through with his end of the promise. Because uh, this is where we always run into problem. If God makes a promise to you, he will fulfill that promise. And when you start second-guessing God and saying, well, will God really fulfill that promise? And I don't think God's going to fulfill that promise. I think I'm going to go in a different direction that God hasn't told me to do because I just don't believe God's going to come through in his promise. That's where we fall. That's where we run into problems all in our life, right? No matter what it is, if we start believing in our own belief and that what we think is is going to work out best in our life and not what God has told us is going to work out best in our life, that's where all the problems exist in life. Uh, and my goal for each one of us, and this is me included, is that we are so, uh, we have so much faith in God and his promises that we do the crazy things in life because not because we think that they're the greatest way to go, because we're not even sure about it, but because God has promised that this is the way to go. And when we do that, when we seek first him and his righteousness, then everything is added to you. Um, that is what Jesus promises in the Sermon on the Mount, right? Seek me first and my kingdom. And if you put me and my kingdom first in your life, then everything else will be added unto you. The same thing could be said to Abram. God says, go, I will make you a great nation. If you just, if you just tr trust me and what I'm telling you to do, trust me, it'll all work out. Now, Abram takes the first step, right? He goes and he leaves the land of Ur, but it doesn't necessarily follow very well from him. We read um, uh, that 
well, let's just take a look at it. So this is verse 4. We looked at this yesterday, but Abram went as the Lord told him, and he took his family with him, uh, and then he went as far as the site. This is verse 6. Abram traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Morah at Shechem, uh, and then he built an altar to the Lord, and then from there he went to the hills east of Bethel, and he built an altar to the Lord. So we can see that Abram, at least initially, uh, does what he's supposed to do. So far it's working out well. He gets to each place. He builds an altar to the Lord. He's definitely you know, putting God first in his life. No questions asked. Uh, God and him are just absolutely doing great until there's a problem. And that problem is in verse 10. Now there was a famine in the land, and Abram went down to Egypt to live there for a while because the famine was severe. So when things are going well, when you pick up your family and you go to the next village and it all works out, it's like, hey, this is working out. And then you pick up your family and move to the next village and it's all working out. Hey, it's working out. And then all of a sudden, there's a famine in the land. Let me just finish my coffee here. So what do you do in your life when things are going well? Well, you do what you've always been doing, right? When there's no coronavirus, you go to work every day and everything is just working fine. But all of a sudden now, you have uh, this, some, some issue or some problem come in your life. Now the question is, what do you do? Who do you believe? Who do you trust? Where do you go for information? What do you put first in your life? Um, th in our world today, I would say that we are instructed and taught from day one that what we should trust is are those scientists that have studied various issues and they say this is the way that we should do things. And I'm not saying that is bad because I love the scientific method. I myself am trained in some of the scientific stuff, right? Um, so I believe in the scientific method, but the question you have to ask yourself is, are all the things that we believe in and trust, uh, has the scientific method been followed properly or have shortcuts happened because the person that funded the study or, or the person who wants the outcome to come a certain way has forced the outcome into a certain way? And can you always believe, are, are scientists always beyond reproach? Or do they sometimes take a shortcut to get a result that they want that's somehow going to benefit them or the organization that they work for? And um, I can tell you from my experience that uh, there are strong pressures in this world to come up with the result that the person that's funded that study has asked for. I, I can just, I've seen it in my own uh, engineering career when I was an engineer, uh, and I've seen it across the world as, as these things happen. That n I will tell you that from my experience that not every scientist is beyond reproach. Not every scientific study has been properly conducted. Um, 
I, I don't necessarily want to say evil things about scientists because they're trying to do the best that they can, but sometimes the pressures are, are so immense. So for, let's say, for example, you finish a study and it shows without a, re, you know, without a doubt that you, know, you have a cluster of data here that shows with and a cluster of data here without, and it's, it's just a clear result. But then you got one or two outliers out there, right? And they're just messing up the data. Well, do you throw out those outliers or do you keep them in? Well, if you know, you look at the outliers and think, why is this happening? You have no idea. They're just, it's just weird. Um, but if it did, if it wasn't for these two outliers, and they call them outliers for a reason, right? If it wasn't for these two outliers, it's a pretty cut and, cut and dry case. So it's like, well, this is what we believe, and this is so we throw out those outliers, right? And then everything works out fine. Um, and maybe those outliers should be thrown out. Maybe they were just, you know, for whatever reason, uh, the the data didn't work. But um, but you have to figure out why are those outliers there. And I'm probably not making much sense here. But the 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 truth is is that at some point we have to believe that our scientists are probably working in the best interest of mankind, uh, and so we should trust our scientists. But I will tell you that every scientist is, is a human uh, under the curse of Adam, which means that he is sinful, that he is not perfect, that whatever is in his life may or may not <laughs> uh, be a pressure that's going to cause him to to do what he's going to do. Anyway, this is a long, drawn-out thing, and I'm sorry about this, but it has so much impact with this coronavirus because it, well, it has so much impact with how well, we live our life. Where do we put our faith? Who do we put our faith in? Is it in politicians? Uh, is it in the school system? Is it in the scientific method? Is it certain people that we watch or read? Um, is it is it the pastor? Uh, is it the church? Where are the things that we know we can get the best source of information to live our life? And my goal for you and for me both is that first and foremost, we put our faith and our trust in God and in his holy word. And when we do that, we seek him and his righteousness and his word first, then all these things will be added. Um and where you really find out whether or not these things hold fast is when there's a famine in the land. When all of a sudden things are going great, but then things start to go south. And when things start to go south in your life, where do you turn for, for answers? <clears throat> that's, that's the question that happens to Abram. Because we see in verse 10 that there was a famine in the land. And Abram went down to Egypt to live there for a while because the famine was severe. In verse 11, as he was about to enter Egypt, he turned to his wife Sarai, I know what a beautiful woman you are. When the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. Then they will kill me, but they will let you live. So say you are my sister so that I will be treated well for your sake and my life will be spared because of you. So, Interesting. First of all, Sarai, we find out later in Genesis that Sarai is Abram's half-sister. Um, they have a common father, different mother. So they're half-brother-sister. Interesting. 
Um, so it's it's kind of partially the truth that that she is his half sister. Um, but what he leaves out that it's it, this is my wife. And why does he do this? Because he doesn't want to be killed. She's beautiful. They go into Egypt. They see this beautiful woman, uh, and the Egyptians were well known that for the. They loved beautiful women, and, and the Pharaoh particularly loved beautiful women, and they would do anything to have these beautiful women, to have beautiful children, right? They love beautiful women. And so um, if, if a beautiful woman and a man went into Egypt, the chances were very, very high that they would kill the man and take the woman. Uh, that was just the way the Egyptians operated. So Abram goes into Egypt and says, uh, I, I need to make sure I protect myself. So I am going to tell the Egyptians that my wife is my sister. And she's going to say the same thing. And therefore, they're going to treat me very well because why wouldn't they? I mean, they, they want the, the woman. Not, they don't care about the man. He poses no threat if he's not the husband. If he's just the brother, he poses no. If we wine him and dine him and treat him well, then the sister's going to be happy and everybody's going to be happy. Um, but what's the problem here? The problem is, is that God promised Abram, I will make your name great. I'll give you a great nation, a great people. So God's going to protect Abram. Um, he doesn't need to do all this stuff because God's going to protect him. And uh, Abram's first mistake is to say, well, I don't believe God. I'm not sure he is going to protect me in Egypt. I need to take matters into my own hand to make sure that I'm protected. I need to take matters in my own hand to make sure my life is spared so that God can do what God has promised to do. But if God's promised he's going to do something, uh, then he's going to do it. Abram, if you're really stepping out in faith, you've already left Ur, you've already gone to two places, now there's a famine in the land, why not continue trusting God? Why not just go with the flow and see what happens? If you believe that God is going to follow through with his promises, then just do it. But Abram's faith at this point is not strong enough. Now it grows. Trust me, it really grows. Uh, it grows in leaps and bounds. But at this point, Abram, just his faith isn't strong enough. And so he goes into Egypt and he tells the Egyptians, this is my sister. It's not my wife. So they treat him very, very well. Um, Abram, Abram takes matters into his own hand uh, and doesn't have a strong enough faith yet to believe what God's going to do. But we'll see in the whole story of Abram that God follows through on his promises even when Abram screws it up. And through all of this process then, uh, God begins to build the faith of Abram. And we and what happens we see in the story about Abraham and Sarai and then they have this child named Isaac. What Abram learns throughout his long journey is that God followed through on his promises even when Abram screwed it up. And therefore, we get to this point where Abram's faith is put to the test in a dramatic and remarkable way. And God wants to challenge Abram. Are you, gonna, are you finally going to believe me or are you finally going to believe yourself? And are you going to live with me first? Are you going to seek me and my righteousness first? Or are you going to continue to try to take matters in your own hand? 
And we get to the point in the story, wave chapters away, where that is that test is that question is put to the test. And Abram finally says, Lord, I don't understand uh, why why you chose me, why you protected me, why you built my faith, but it's strong enough now to where I under I finally understand that you are the source of everything and you are the source of all the blessings. You've never uh, left me. Uh, you've continued to build my faith, and I'm going to just trust that you are the answer to everything, and I'm going to follow you blindly even when I don't understand it. And so he does. And, and that's, that's the journey of Abraham and the growing of his faith. Hasn't, hasn't reached that yet. Here he gets into Egypt, and uh, notice he doesn't build an altar here in Egypt. He, he goes into Egypt, and you can almost see him saying, oh, my goodness, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be killed. How is God going to fulfill this promise to me if I'm dead? Well, maybe God's going to protect you. And maybe God protects you even in the midst of you kind of screwing this up. Uh, because every time that God protects you, it shows his hand and his glory. And every time you do it on yourself, uh, it's trying to show that you're you're gonna, you know, you're gonna second guess God, and you're gonna do it the way you're gonna do it. But the fact is that God protects Abraham, and God guides Abraham, and even you know cleans up after Abraham's messes because God is a promise to Abraham, and God's gonna fulfill this promise to Abraham, um, even in the midst of Abraham messing things up. So. Um, that is the story of Abraham uh, up to this point. So uh, I know what a beautiful woman you are. When the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife, and then they will kill me, and they will let you live. But say you're my sister so that I will be treated well for the sake of my life, and it will be spared because of you. Let's continue reading in verse 14. When Abram came to Egypt, the Egyptians saw that Sarai was a very beautiful woman. And when Pharaoh's officials saw her, they praised her to Pharaoh, and she was taken into his palace, and he treated Abram well for her sake. And Abram acquired sheep and cattle, male and female donkeys, male and female servants, and camels. So it looks like, um, you know, things are going well for Abram, right? Uh, he, he lied and now Sarai is in Pharaoh's household, but this isn't this isn't the plan that God had for Abram. Uh, the promise to Abram was that he would be the father of a great nation and have many, many, many offspring. Well, how can you do that when your wife is now in Pharaoh's household? Um, you're still alive, <laughs> buddy, but. Um, how is that working out for you? <laughs> uh, is this is this following God's God's plan? Abram's like, well, I had to, otherwise they'd have killed me. And God looks at Abram and says, Would they really have killed you, Abram? Or would something else have happened? Is there another? Is there a way I can get you out of this? And we'll see uh, next time we meet tomorrow that yes, there's a way out of this. So. Um, I, I hope this is helpful, but the fact is is that uh, when we step out in faith and we follow God, 
And then God comes through with all of his promises and blessings that he promises when we step out in faith and follow him. When we put him first in our life and we see the blessings in our life, that's, uh, that builds our faith. I think, and this is, this is an indictment uh, on me as much as it is on anybody, but as I look around the United States today, where are we putting our faith? We put our faith in politicians. We put our faith in our schooling system. We put our faith in scientists that they're going to tell us the right things to do. And that those are not bad places to put your faith. I mean, I'm going to I'm going to trust a scientist if I trust that he's done, you know, the scientific study properly. But I have seen over the last 20 or 30 years so many scientists start to say things based upon more political decisions than necessarily scientific decisions. And um, if you've put your faith in a scientist and all of a sudden the scientist fails you, that can be crushing. But the one place that you can put your faith that you will never be crushed is in the Word of God. Because when God says something, do this and you do it and you see how well God blesses you because of it, that uh, is reinforces that God should be the center of your life. And um, that doesn't mean that we have to choose between faith or science. Uh, but what it does mean is that when faith and science disagree, uh, which sometimes it does, not often, very rarely, but if you start to see that uh, that that the two are in disagreement, it, it's a crisis of faith. It's a famine in the land, and you have to choose which one am I going to, how am I going to navigate this world based upon all the things that I know about this world. And that's where, where sometimes you have to uh, take a step of faith. And when you take a step of faith in the kingdom and you do the things that God tells you, then, um, then all these things will be added unto you. So I think we're going to close it there today because I feel like I'm rambling and I'm not really getting to a point. But the point I want to make is that always seek Jesus and his word and his scripture first. And when you do that, um, things work out well in your life. And I think one of the problems in the United States today, and maybe even across Western culture, is that we've somehow lost that. We've, we've somehow said that, yeah, God's important, but what's really, really important uh, is the scientific method and the laws of science and laws of physics. And much of that stuff is great, but it's not perfect. And the scientists and the people who study this stuff are not perfect either. And their view of the world is not necessarily perfect. And if we're going to take dexamethasone um, and we think it's the end-all to end-all, it may not. It actually may only go from a 60% survival rate to a 72% survival rate for those on ventilators. Uh, and those are great things. I mean, it's awesome if you're on a ventilator, but it's not the answer. And all the people on the ventilator eventually will die. You and I eventually will die. It may not be coronavirus, but it will be something. And it's in our future. And at that point, how much will the scientists really... Uh, how much do their knowledge help you? But if your faith is in Jesus, then your faith is secure and your life is secure and your existence is secure because you put it in the proper place. Well, let's, um, let's pray. Dear God, uh, thanks for this time together. Um, 
I pray that you be with all those who are suffering from this coronavirus. God, build our faith. Strengthen our faith. May we be a tree planted by living water um, that is not moved. In your son's name we pray.